The man, the myth, the mohawk, the Jean Beauvoir, legendary music industry character. He's written, produced, uh, played with everyone under the sun, including Kiss, the Ramones, Wendy O. Williams when he was in the Plasmatics, even NSYNC, and a whole lot more, which we get into on this show. In addition to being a legend, he's now an author, and his book, I Bet My Soul on Rock and Roll, is fantastic and available now through all good booksellers. I like the shirt that you're wearing. I'm wearing a Dolly shirt. I don't think you've worked with her yet, but that's yet. No, not uh, yet. I like that. I like where you put. Not, not that I wouldn't want to. I love Dolly. Oh, she's yeah. fantastic. I and I mean, you've worked with so her. many great people, and your solo stuff obviously is fantastic. But you've also enriched Thank the careers. You. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, and the uh, depth and breadth of your collaborations is rather stunning. And since you're wearing the Kiss uh-huh. shirt, maybe we'll start. Uh, talking about how you met Paul because one of the things I love about the way that you met Paul is it was outside of the environs that people might consider rock people to uh, meet or especially like collaborators. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, yeah, you know, uh, well, I was always a a very big Kiss of, I mean, a Kiss fan from the very beginning. You know, as a child living out in Long Island, I had Kiss posters on my walls and everything. Never thought that you'd ever meet them, actually. It's a funny thing. But so... um, I was there was a club that we used to all frequent called Heartbreak that was downtown New York. It was like a it's like an old diner sort okay. of, but it, yeah. but they played, believe it or not, like all just great music, Motown to this, all kinds of just good music. And a lot of people went there. A lot of actors, you'd, you'd see you know, actresses, actresses. A lot of them that were coming up at the time who are now major stars. You know what I mean? Sure. But it's just yeah. like a lot of people, and it was great, and rock guys, and now Rogers, Paul Stanley, blah, blah, blah. And just one day I walked in there, and then um, he kind of came over and said, hey, you're John from the, oh, you're the guy from the Plasmatics, something like that, uh, you know, so many years ago. I said, yeah, and I looked at him, I said, God, this guy looks familiar, but he, they were still in makeup <laughs> at the time, you yeah. know? Yeah. So you wouldn't easily recognize him. And I right. said, he said, yeah, I'm Paul from Kiss. I, oh, I said, bum, 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 bum. So from there, we just started hanging out and um, literally we're dancing around in that place. I think we learned, you know, together a lot of the dance moves that we actually use on stage <laughs> running around in those clubs, to be honest with you. Yeah. And um, and we just started hanging out. No music. It was just like, you know, change numbers and let's, let's go to movies. I'll show you this cool place to eat on the Upper East Side called Serendipities. I'll take you. Let's do that. Let's go to cons. You know, we would just do things. Hey, what are you doing tonight? Well, nothing. Let's go to dinner at that place. And then yeah. we always did that. We did that for about a year before yeah. we actually wrote a note. And then one day that- we would. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, right? go ahead. No, good. No, good. I was wondering, do you find that the best collaborations come from that sort of thing? Like you just have a similar curiosity about life, it seems. That's the the uh, shared uh, principle or uh, motivation between you and Paul. I th- yeah, I think it makes things easier, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of times you can go into collaborations. I mean, I, that didn't happen to me in the past. I think it's more now when you're collaborating with younger kids and your Scandinavians and stuff. A lot of people, they don't know really that much about you. So there's not quite a respect yet. <laughs> And, you know, and, you know, they could be like never made a record in their lives and they think they know better than you do. (laughs) Always fun. Always fun. (laughs) That's right. Oh, you know what I mean? So you got to challenge those kind of challenges. 
But you know, but with Paul and I, you're right. With something like that, you get to know each other. You talk about music. You talk about things that you like, things you don't like. Uh, how we shared Motown. How we shared shared clothing. You know, we loved uh, very similar clothing. And and Paul and I, he actually wrote a little something on my book, um, saying that we were like black and white twins. Because yeah. in reality, we really were are. Yeah. Because even up to now, even if I don't see him for years, we'll get together and he'll be wearing something that. I wear and nobody else wears it. Like, like I found myself starting to wear a fanny pack again, you uh -huh. know? And even my, my family's like, fanny pack? That's so <laughs> old fashioned. You can't wear a fanny pack. What are you doing with that thing? But it's, it's convenient. Puts my things in there and I'm good. And it doesn't ruin it's, the line of the pants. That's the other thing. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I end up going to Paul's show. I walk in backstage. He comes off stage. He puts on his regular clothes. He's got a fanny pack on. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> and it was that kind of a thing. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You know, we look at each other and go, I guess some things never change. But it does help, you know. And um, so by the time we got into a room, it was casual. We were just sitting in his apartment. You ordered Chinese food, you know, we're eating and pulled out a guitar. And boom, we had the first idea for a song in no time. Yeah. And because you're kind of playing off of things that you like anyways. You know, right. what about if you do this? You know, and you know that it's reminiscent of that that you like or this and that. And, and I think it makes it uh, an easier and more fun collaboration. Now, what about like laughter, the sense of fun? Because it seems like there was a sense of fun to that. Yeah, we laughed a lot. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. We'd go out, we'd, you know, go into the clubs, of course, the wingmen, you know, doing the you know, <laughs> girls, you know, there's another thing we both had in common. <laughs> the love of beautiful women. Exactly. You know? Connoisseurs. <laughs> right. That's connoisseurs by that time. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's like right. <laughs> <laughs> and we were complete opposites, so there was never any, you know, like, literally like, <laughs> right, you right. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> white guy with black hair and a black guy with blonde hair. You know, <laughs> you know that's so actually, funny. You know, there's it, it, somebody shot a really great photo of that, actually. Um, that's, uh, I think it's, on, it's in my book. You'll see it. It's a, a really yeah. great photograph <laughs> of the two of us like that. And let's tell people about the book because I love the book. It's fantastic, and it's quite. Oh, you saw you read it. Yeah, right? I, 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 unfortunately, there's three chapters I'm missing, or a few chapters towards the end. Not that they weren't missing from my copy. I just was a little. Uh, I didn't handle my scheduling very well. <laughs> okay, okay, I got gotcha. you. It's all right. I know the feeling. I yeah, know. yeah. Okay, as long as you have a good feeling about it. Uh, yes, there yeah, we are. There yes. it is. Bet my soul on rock and roll. <laughs> yes, and a perfect title for it because you did really bet your soul on it. You had a uh, a bit of an ultimatum from your dad at it was at fourteen or fifteen. It was at fifteen. Fifteen. Fifteen, right? Yeah, fifteen. When you got I believe. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you to, I have to read my own book to find out. You know? It's like sometimes you forget, you know, you what sure. we're of you know what I mean? But um yeah, my dad was by the way, the photographer's name was Matt Vastfjord. I wanted oh, okay. to just show that. Yo, and yes, the photograph and the photograph that I was talking about is, one second, here it is, because I think it's a magical, uh, you know, it really shows that opposite thing that I was telling you. It's this photo down there. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> you see it? That's the one. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. It's yeah. really good. You, know. you guys but, always uh, have the same expression on your face, too. I know, also, because, you know, back then, you'd always pucker up and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> that I'm too sexy for my 
But <laughs> <laughs> you look at you look at years later and you go, Lord Jesus, was I doing that? <laughs> but such a great milieu, though. I mean, in those clubs too. Like, what were some of the clubs? That, you said Heartbreak, and then like China Club was a big place for you guys. China Club was big for us. It was big, yeah. and that was a big musicians club and actors. It was the same group of people. It was a yeah. very small circle of just everybody from the Sean Penns to the this. Actually, when you went to like Columbus, which was uptown, so yeah. it was almost like stops sometimes. You go to Columbus, people would eat dinner there. And um, you'd have a, a, a Paulie, Paulie, was it Paulie? Was Paulie Herman, I believe, was the name of the owner. And he co-owned yeah. that place, I believe, with Robert De Niro. So you'd have a lot of up and coming actors that would go there, have dinner, just hanging out. Everybody's, yeah. and it was a great like. Um, I miss that that kind of community yeah. thing. And so, and China Club was the you know was forget it. That was the the real deal there. But when first in New York, everybody hung out there. Then Paul and I moved out to L.A. at the same time. Actually, mm-hmm. I remember we kind of got tired of New York. It was becoming really dumpy. If you know oh, what I mean, it was sure. like we were like, why are we living in this? dump (laughs) (laughs) times square had you know hookers people selling drugs everything was like all over every time you went to park your car any place you'd have guys you know watch your car and if 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 you don't pay them they mess up your car it was just like what are we doing and it was like we heard how about la yeah (laughs) (laughs) what part of la did you move to then well let me see at that time i moved my first move to la was a place it was burton way uh-huh. So it was right on the uh, border of Beverly Hills and L.A., right down there. Um, okay. Do you know it by Rodeo Drive? Yeah, uh, a- yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, uh, also based in West Hollywood, so that's very familiar okay. terrain. Then I yeah. moved. There. I moved. There. I lived in a lot of places in L.A., but I started there, and I had, I remember, a two-bedroom apartment up top. I had my little studio in there and there. Um, Paul moved into a house. I don't remember exactly where, Hollywood Hills. Um, and then um, after that, I moved around. I lived there. I lived in Encino. I lived in Malibu. I lived in uh, Hollywood Hills. You know, up there. I lived in Woodland Hills. I've lived in. I lived across the street from the Sunset Marquee. That's oh, <laughs> like that must have been a fun I, spot. You know that place, La Park. I, it wasn't La Park. It was La. Not La Park. Right across. It was. Anyways, it's right across. Yeah. So a few musicians and stuff lived there, including sure. Sharon Osbourne, actually, at the time. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fun. So we just run across the street. Exactly. So we. <laughs> We'd run across the street to that, you know, Sunset Marquee all the time, which was another, which was an L.A. hang, if you sure. know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. And then, and then China Club. Yeah, and, and the rainbow was still, like, properly the rainbow. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, still yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh-huh. It's I love, the thing I love about L.A. as opposed to Massachusetts, where I'm from, is Boston's not really the sort of New York junior that it used to be years ago. And uh, mm-hmm. but LA still has the flavor, at least I imagine of a lot of the old places, you know, the rainbow's still there. A lot of the places. Are well, still you're there. living in LA. You're living in LA. Yeah. Now. LA and London now. So and London, but, and London. Yeah. But like you go around here in Soho and you're like, Oh my God, Ronnie Scott's is still around. You're like that kind of thing. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I know. I, that's the one thing about London. I miss it. I haven't been there for a while. I used to spend a lot of time there. You when know, was the last time you were there. here? Oh, I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, no. Last time I was there, be right around right before the pandemic you know time goes by it might have been might be already five years yeah. if i think about it right yeah yeah four or five years around i went i don't remember what i was even there for i was in some recording or that whatever i was there like four or five years ago i'd say but i'm yeah. ready to go back yeah and you've spent a lot of time in a lot of places around the world like you've lived in many 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 uh spots sweden and germany uh germany, as we mentioned new york yeah that's right that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's fun to get around and you know, 
you get spoiled when you live in different places because you constantly always need and want that, you know, that uh, extra, that revitalization you know, I mean, oh, of yeah. a new place, you know, like all of a sudden you're in London today and it's something completely different and you're going to go to your favorite spot and you're going to you know, the rent a car and drive the other side of the street. And you know, I mean, then you're in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I first came to London, I didn't, it didn't, being from the States, it didn't occur to me that I could just take a train to Paris. And then my friends were like, you got to go. It's 90 minutes away. And I was like, well, well okay, then I got to go because it's 90 you're minutes. In Paris. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for me, so, that's like 90 minutes. I can't even get to Maine from Massachusetts. So, you know, <laughs> I can't even get across town. Yeah, with the traffic down. <laughs> exactly. Especially LA. Oh, ab- yeah. Oh, I'll go to Venice. No, you won't. That's not going to get. You're not going to get there in time. I yeah. know, right? That's crazy. Right. <laughs> so, um, and again, of course, the, the other collaborators. So many. What are some of the more recent ones that you really enjoyed? Because you know, we know yeah. the plasmatics, and we'll talk about that. But I'd like yeah, to. Yeah, that's know, up in the past. Yeah. Well, I've been do- I've actually more recently. I've been doing a lot of stuff with Scandinavians, you know. So I work with a very good group of guys, of guys and a girl from Norway called Design, for one thing, and they they do a lot of K-pop stuff. But um, you know, but really great K-pop. stuff. really funny thing with the Scandinavian collaborators. Even might even though you might think they do K-pop, they do this. They all have a real not all, but many have a very deep rooted um, knowledge of music. You know, oh. like these design guys, like the, the the producer guy is a great guitarist, great rock guitarist. Yeah. You know, you pick up a guitar and do all the solos you can think of. You go, whoa. And it's something that he just does. Yeah. You know, and yeah. they can play piano. They can play this because in Scandinavia, they raise these from the beginning. They support music. So they get funding for it. They get yeah. all they get to go to these camps. They do all these things where a lot of these kids, by the time they get to a certain age, they they know a lot of different kinds of things. So that I've enjoyed. Uh, design, a lot of different people. Eric Lind- Lidboom, a guy named Harry Summerdahl in Sweden. Mm-hmm. And they do a bit of everything. They do, you know, K-pop stuff that actually charts number one in the U- in the U.S. too. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, just because of the width of this whole K-pop thing. You know what yeah. I mean? It's really become huge, you know. Oh, it's the biggest thing, um, right? Yeah. It's the biggest thing. It's really big. So um, th- those kind of people I've really enjoyed working with. And I'm just in the middle of, getting into something new mm-hmm. a new kind of deal that would uh put me in in I'm doing a lot more stuff with local people oh okay. you know with people in the u.s as well yeah you know going yeah. going further but that's been primarily what i've been doing was yeah it's doing a lot of stuff in europe mm-hmm. mostly or yeah. i've got actually I have a partner down here named tony catania he also does a little bit of everything but he mm-hmm. had like a hit song called scat man many years ago oh, do you yeah, remember I it? yeah i do yeah you can't he did. He produced it. He wrote. He did everything. And also, he did. Believe it or not, all the Millie Vanilli records. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. You, you know what I mean? I do. And yeah, so yeah. that you know, and uh, I know that they got a real short end of the stick, you know. But in reality, um, he, they were great records. <laughs> and you knew Robin Fab, right? I did very, you know, well, well, like yeah. right before Rob died and everything else. So that was, uh, you know. Ah. Well, I, I know, felt sorry, so bad I, about that. Yeah, it's terrible. You know? But they did get the short end of the stick, particularly when you look at how pop music has generally been, let's say, manufactured or produced or whatever word you want to Not play. any different than what they were doing. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. And also, everyone's, uh, thankfully, because one of the greatest things about TikTok is people's rediscovery of older acts. Boney M has this new Bonnie life. M. Yeah, and, and it's same deal, same deal, right? 
Same yeah. deal, because it's actually, believe it or not, it's the same producer. Yeah, Frank Farian, right? Frank Farian, that's right. He did all that stuff. And those are great records, both Boney M and Millie Vanilli. Blame It on the Rain is I agree. phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay, so we're coming from the same place. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm, that, I'm that kind of guy. A great record to me is a great record, period. There's yeah. no question about it. You know, that's just the way I feel about it. You know, so it's, um, you know, it's just a lot of people, unfortunately, are, you know, they don't look at it that way, but. To me, a great record's a great record. It's just different instrumentation. You could you listen to a foreigner song; it's not much different in pop production. If you want to know the truth, than some of these other songs were. Oh know? God, so absolutely, like, yeah, yeah. And know? it just made me think of uh, how um, I remember at a record store I worked at years ago. Someone was grousing about Kiss, and I was like, "Listen, if it was on a big star record, you'd be like, this is the greatest thing you've ever heard.' But it's like, That's I right. like exactly, I know, know, I know. That's you know what I'm saying. It's like it's crazy. It's like." I'm just looking at something. If you see oh, yeah. me checking things out, it's because I think I have those ear pods in and I think I touched something. Oh, you can, yeah, we it. can pause or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I cut the show. You want to pause for one second? Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. For one second? Let me take a look. Take I noticed, no problem. I noticed I did something that all of a sudden made a lot of background sound come in. And I don't even know these things. You have to like touch them or something next to, you know, they do something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's fine. Okay, I don't know cool. how to do it, so. But does it sound it's okay usually, on your end? Is it okay? It's more for you. For me, it's okay. I'm oh, it's you. okay. I don't. I didn't hear a change in it. And by the way, I normally. Oh, you have, didn't. Wonderful. Okay. Oh, thank you. I, I normally have. By the way, I normally have my mic going through to so you would hear the cleaner sound. But you're just hearing the MacBook audio because again, traveling that that was the one the one cable I left behind. The. Uh, oh, the, I yeah. hate that. It's always a cable. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a cable. I know just what you mean. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I was just thinking, um, actually, yesterday I was talking to Chaz Jankel, and we were talking about Polar Studios, and I said, it's so funny oh, you mentioned that, yeah. because I'm going to be talking to a guy who spent a lot of time at Polar Studios. I did. I did. It was a great place. Um, it was at the, the very beginning when I first got signed to Mr. Branson for a Virgin. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I had already been there once um, when I was touring with little Steven. Um, I just went there one day just to go check it out. Um, just when I was there, kind of like, like some days off and I yeah. met a great engineer there and I was just very curious about, no, that's wrong. I made a mistake. Uh, no, that's right. No, actually that's right. And that's when I first discovered it. Then I got an offered, I got offered a record deal from Polar to do a singles deal when I couldn't get any deals in the U S okay. Nobody yeah. would sign me. So they were, it was, uh, ABBA was my first offer. Wow. To, you know, so I went over there, met with them and everything like that. Very casual. The guys are many of them walking around the studio. It was, you know, it's like their home, you know? Yeah. And they weren't using it much. So I ended up locking out that place for literally four years. <laughs> it's amazing. When I, when I read that, I was like, wow. I'm like, what a great studio to lock out. If you're going to pick a studio to lock out, right? It was locked. I had the key. I can come and go as I please. It was like literally, I did everything that I did, I did there. Wow. <laughs> it's like I wouldn't yeah. leave. Yeah. Because I just, I, I love Sweden for one thing. And um, it was just, I fell in love with the place. And this Polar was, you know, it was a great big A room, the big piano sitting in the middle, you know, all those great things. They had these um, 32 track 3M machines that I don't oh, think yeah. almost existed anywhere else, you know. <laughs> right. So they were really advanced, you know, and they had yeah. those things going. And then they had, um, believe it or not, a, a cutting room all the way on the top floor where it could def uh, just go up there and make, vinyls 
Oh, wow. So I could record the stuff on 32 digital. And he said, you know what? We're going to go to Cafe Opera, the happening club in town, and go try out this mix. Like, go upstairs. We'd bring a thing, bring it to the DJ, give it to him. It was like, you know, oh, and wow. then you had the B studio, the studios upstairs. It was perfect. And I worked yeah. with an engineer there named Anders Oritsen, who was, um, I guess, the guy there at the time. And he became my engineer for everything that I did over there. I, I really loved it. I enjoyed it. It was yeah, a shame just- to see it go. It is uh, sad, yeah, and because uh, that was like I remember seeing it as a kid in like the making of, um, which is Frida's album, you know, like the the woman. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Frida's was like, oh yeah, 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 and it was so cool to just see finally the studio that they did all the stuff in. Uh, I mean, but they'd yeah, always filmed amazing. a lot of stuff anyway. But so, like, how much music total do you think you recorded during those four years? Because you are incredibly prolific. Anyway, and I imagine that there was well, a lot of stuff you, that. Uh, oh, my, my pleasure! It's a, a remarkable amount of music. Oh, I have to mention the shocker theme as well because if I don't do it now, I'll forget, and then later I'll go. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> love that. And um, thank you. I'll have to do a playlist, I think, to post uh, with this because okay, so wonderful. many great things. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I was just wondering about the sheer number of stuff. What was your uh, sort of? Um, they have a term for it in uh, film, and I can't remember what it is. It's like the four to one ratio or something. You know, you make a bunch of demos, and then one of them go. You go, okay, this. Is oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it, yeah. That's true. I did do a lot of recording. Um, how much I don't. Well, I, like you're saying, at that time I was pretty prolific, so I'd record a lot of things. Yeah, I did record things that that I didn't use. Um, and also, I did a lot of demos. I didn't mess around too much in that studio to do a bunch of things I didn't use. Yeah. I usually do. I had another little studio in my house that I actually recorded ideas and other things there. And then I'd bring the more major stuff. But at the very beginning, I was doing all my work at Pilar, which gets yeah. expensive, even with a lot. Of- <laughs> 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 oh, he's sitting at a piano. Oh, let me think. Let me- <laughs> If you don't but mind me asking, what what did it cost to lock out Polar at that time? Oh God! Like a day um, rate or something. Let's put it this way: I got a much better rate than I was getting in in America because I managed for the same price between you and I of not well not between you and I, but as for the same <laughs> price as I would like in New York, I'd re- I was recording at Media Sound, for example. That was like two thousand to twenty five hundred dollars a day. Wow. Okay. A day. Yeah. A day. Then you have to add, you know, then they add some outboard gear and this and then the engine. You know, it's just like, I, yeah, yeah. So when I looked at these prices, I said, you know what? I bet you I could go to Europe. I could bring the whole band over there, get everybody apartments, <laughs> get the studio, lock it out, cars for everyone, yeah. and I'd pay less money. <laughs> There's and, a th- and, and that's. That's what you did, and that's like a recurring theme in the book. You have a very shrewd uh, business acumen where you go, wait a second, I could do this, <laughs> I could do that. And I love that because really to be uh, uh, to survive in the industry, much less be uh, very successful as you've been, you do have – that's a, a key element to it. You can't just be super talented. you got to also have – No, 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 no. You can't. You need – you need that. But I still spent way too much, you saw in the book, a lot more than I should have spent <laughs> anyways. You know, I kind of wish I knew the things now that, that I think then. When I, but then again, maybe you'd miss out on all that fun and the limos and the clubs and the champagne and the girls, thirsty girls. And <laughs> <laughs> a lot of thirsty girls in the 80s, I heard. A lot of thirsty girls, that's right, you know. <laughs> and it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, counting your car. John, what are you doing over there? <laughs> no, but... Uh, <laughs> urgent international call from the accountant that's right that's right exactly come home come home uh, <laughs> but it got... was uh <laughs> go ahead oh no you go ahead no so it was um so yeah, i still didn't answer your question about the lockout but i think that's that gives okay. an idea 
Oh, it no, was it less, a great I, idea. I don't know the exact, but it gives you a great idea. I was for the same price, you know, yeah. especially because when you do things over a long period of time like that, you get a, but, but, and the fact is, like I said, they weren't using it much. It was just sitting there. So it was kind of like, almost like found money. Not that they needed it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I love that rumor. I, I don't want to know if it's true or not true that Sweden at one point had a financial crisis and asked to borrow money from ABBA. I just like that. I idea. didn't even know about that. Is that true? That's I don't, funny. I don't think it is, but I don't want to research it because I just like it a lot. I'm like, That's, I wouldn't be surprised. Right. <laughs> and also, they, <laughs> they seem like they had a good attitude about stuff, too. It's interesting that they were the first organization to offer you a deal. Now, you'd already been in the plasmatics and uh, and very visually uh, recognizable and on t- been on TV, uh, all that stuff, which someone would go, oh, okay, then that would make sense for a label to give you a deal. But uh, it seems, I mean, to me that it was the racist uh, issue with- That was the- a lot to do with that, a lot to do with it. Yeah. And that's that didn't exist over there. That was a big difference. So they were very welcome to talent. Didn't matter. That's why I believe it or not, if you go back, you'll see that people like Jimi Hendrix, Quincy Jones, they all had they all had kids over there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I know that I'm not joking. No, no matter it's laughing we're not laughing because it's so true. And uh even the embracing of jazz. Right, like, that's uh, right. That's what I yeah. was going to get into. That's right. The jazz was like, you know, Scandinavia in general was really open to that. They didn't have those things that you had in America. It was just like still trying to figure out, ooh, what do we put? Black floor, white floor? Mm, I don't know. Is anybody going to play them? Oh, well, there's only room for one. Oh, yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Which you kind of had at Columbia, right? There was a guy who was there, like real, uh, it kind of screwed you up in a way because of this guy's preconceived notions unless that's not the right way to characterize well no that that's kind of yeah that came after by the second album the first album Al Teller who was the president really believed in what I was doing he was really into it he just felt like no matter what I'm going to make this guy happen he really did everything that he could and we had had pretty good success MTV did amazing things with me they really loved me and that was very helpful Um, but you know when I got to the second record it became more difficult because it was that thing of like okay your first album has you know, whatever it is, it's kind of everywhere, but we love it because of that. Yeah. But then the second, then they start to try, then they start to, you know, okay, but where exactly do you need to be <laughs> so that we could really, you know, push yeah. this? Are you an R&B artist? Are you a rock artist? Now that doesn't work. Are you this? Are you? And then that's where the confusion happens. And it's funny too, because uh, people often think, okay, well, the uh, someone has a hit and he had a big hit with Feel the Heat and huge familiarity uh, helped by Cobra and mm-hmm. ju- the the commercials and all that stuff, and then uh, the the logical thing you think would be that the label will go, "This is good." There's an awareness, and someone's familiar with your work, so let's just build on that. But then it seems like let's find every reason why there's a problem. That's that's right. That's very true, and that happens with I think a lot of people. If you notice, yeah. a lot of artists have that problem, and you'll notice maybe second record they. They have, I don't know if it was Kelly Clarkson or somebody I was observing, something like that, where the first record, they do one thing. Then the second record, I think it might be that you want to do our own thing then. And then they I, say, yeah. well, we have no choice because you're, <laughs> you had this success. So we have to keep our mouths. And then they do that. And then things go, Phew. and then they go, let's go back to what <laughs> But, you know, that world is very different than my world because, you know, it's really interesting where things have gone with pop music. It's a... Yeah. Uh, I was speaking to one of my producer friends and I was asking him, well, why aren't you involved with like BTS? You know? And he says, John, it's a mess. I said, what do you mean? He says, they're actually taking 
little parts of songs. They'll have every songwriter send in, you know, all the greatest songwriters send, send in a bunch of songs. That's what I was told now. Yeah. All these songs. And then they'll go and take little pieces of each thing. Oh, we like half a chorus of that guy, a little piece of, we're only using 10% of this guy, 10%. Then they chop it up and then they offer everybody such an irrelevant piece of anything yeah. that no songwriter can ever actually benefit from it. You know, because right. when you look at the writers, there's 10 writers on there. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then it's like a mess. And so it's a completely different world. And for the labels, it's become, it's like uh, manufactured in a way like that. So it's really hard to do wrong. I mean, if you get songs from like, you know, 60, 70 guys and you put together half of a first, half of a core. Oh, I like that. Ah, from here, oh, let's use that. You know? <laughs> You're bound to come up with a good song. <laughs> yeah, right. And that would explain why sometimes you see 10 writers on something. You're like, what? What's going on here? Like in a movie, you see that and you go, uh-oh, trouble. I know, I know. Exactly. <laughs> the same thing with records. So it's it's different. It's not like one, two people sitting in a room and writing their own re- Well, it exists. That exists still, but it, it's different. This is the new world when it comes comes to that yeah and what do you think about like uh production of an album or who should steer the ship really it like it is it basically like a film there needs to be one guiding uh force yeah Mm -hmm. i think so you know whether it's your executive producer producer uh, with me at the beginning i was you know of course young egotistical i wanted to do everything myself you want to prove you want to show blah 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 more than you're thinking about having the hit Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. So if I actually go back in retrospect, I do find myself walking around the house sometimes with a glass of wine and I'm going, I should have written more hits. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody was around. You had every opportunity in the world. You had Prince, Al Rogers, every producer. <laughs> you had the choice to work with anybody in the world you would have wanted to work. You had the budget. You had it all. Why did you want to go stay by yourself in some house? Now I'm doing everything by yourself. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like when you're young, you know, you're, you get really sensitive about your work, your this, you think people are going to change your, you have a very different perspective. Yeah. Well, and understandably though, too, because, you know, you did have a lot of adversity, even like you said, getting signed. And then mm-hmm. um, when you are at 15, having to go on your own to, be, right? Because you're devoted to staying with music. Basically, your dad said either you stop the music or you get out and you got out. That's right. I got out. Yeah. And so, so it's a, you know, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, so, so what you say about the production thing, my views on that now are very different than they were then. So like now, for example, I'm getting ready to make a new record. I don't want to sit in the studio by myself and write the record. <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I just don't want to do it. You know, I got my studio right here. I've made, I've made records right here. You know, done yeah. the whole thing, sit in the room by myself. I play all the instruments. I write the songs. I produce them, the whole thing, send it to master. I even master it now. <laughs> it's like, that's fine. I could do that all day long. I could make albums like that, rock records, whatever you want to do. But you, I want to get some flavors. So I've, I've reached out to my design guys. I've got some other guys coming to town who are going to come to my band. We're going to, play in sweden together yeah really good guys a guy from wasps that howland and tim rossi from blackfoot and you know just some really great guys and he said my drums are going to be all set up here you know to do a metal church record oh wow. so I said, yeah i said hmm let me think maybe i just go in with these guys and and do something and you know i've got a couple ideas and let's see what happens i'm welcoming you know um some other outside help now to be able yeah. to 
try different things and to be able to just focus on you know, singing and doing what, you know, and really making sure the mel- you have great melody, that your songs are what they should be, not instead of sitting around, messing around with, you know, oh, it's the wrong snare, you know. Edititis can get all of us. Yeah. You know what I mean? You I know, do. Say, oh, yeah. God, snare, bass drum, boom, no, boom, oh, God, Lord, you know, three, I hate this song. It's <laughs> <laughs> never good. We, we, we shelved the song. That's shelved right. The song. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. right. When he talks you about uh, having like mild regrets and everything like that, uh, how do you, um, what do you think the best thing to do is to uh, balance that sort of thing in life in general? Because all of us, we had to make decisions at some point to go this way, that way, the other way. And right. you, can, you can look back and think, oh, maybe I should have done that or maybe, but it, those, those can be uh, traps sometimes. Now, not that you're haunted by that or anything, but um, mm-hmm. all of us can be at times, especially dark nights of the soul. Uh, what, what have you mm-hmm. found to be a good practice to sort of get you back to your, I guess, let's say like natural state of sort of, you know, enthusiasm, exactly, like even keel, uh, equilibrium? You know, it's not easy. Because I find, uh, get real, yeah, okay, well, that's why I'm getting personal here. But I find that my mood can change. You know, one day you feel a little under the whole thing, like, oh, things are a little overwhelming. Then the next day you're like, I got this, I whatever, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, you know, and you feel really strong and powerful. Yeah. Um, it really depends. You need to get away and try to, I try to take things out of my brain. Like, for example, I love the water. I, yeah. I have a boat. I love boats. You know, I love yeah. marine life. I love that. And I, that's where I go. I actually go and stay on my boat, like sometimes for two, three, four days in a row. Mm-hmm. And that's a way from, you know, and I love my family. I've got a great dog laying next to me right now. Great Dane. Uh, he's beautiful. Let me see. Oh, that's lovely. What's your dog's name? Rocky. Hey, Rocky. Can you see him? Yeah, yeah. Oh, what a sweet dog. <laughs> he's beautiful. So he comes with me and, and, you know, my family stays here. But sometimes you just kind of feel like it's, um, there's too much information. You know yeah. what I mean? Like just uh, being in a house and what needs to be fixed. <laughs> and you, you can't get, I don't know if that's where, what you're asking me, but you know, you can't get no, clear. Yeah no, yeah, no, that's definitely like, it's uh, it's uh, kind of open-ended, but more for you and what works. This is definitely what I was This asking. works for yeah. me. So yeah. w- what I would do is, um, you know, sometimes I would just literally go to, like if I'm going to write songs and stuff, I'd go to the marina and late at night when there's nobody around, i just walk down the dock and I'd have my phone and all of a sudden, I find myself throwing down three, four song ideas, yeah, or something. And it's you know because it is hard to find that. It's an interesting question, and, oh, and it's a major part of what this is all about: is finding where you're comfortable and you're not, you know, either stressed or or anxious or you know or or you know what are we going to do? You know, everybody goes through that. Let's face it. You know, right. it doesn't matter how famous you are how big you are it seems like sometimes the bigger they are the more they go through. <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean it's absolutely. like um, but that's that's what i try to do because i'm right at that stage right now where i haven't played that much music in a while it's been a couple of years you know since we've been able, able to go out on tour so mm-hmm. when you haven't played for three years it's a lot it's a so long all of a sudden time, get up yeah. in front of thirty thousand, forty thousand people you know what i mean all of a sudden yeah. boom you know yeah so you're at that point where i'm saying to myself okay it's really time, John. You've got four weeks, you know, and that's even less than I would like, you know, to get to the gym, 
get on a schedule, go to the gym every day or four days a week. Yeah. You know, the guys are going to fly into town, get some kind of a system going, start working your voice so you don't get blown out like, you know, because you put everything three days before the show at rehearsal. Yeah. You get to the show. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a method to this, you know what I mean? Yeah. To get yourself spiritually and mentally into the head of what it is that you're doing. Like I've been focusing on the book. Now I got to say, okay, well, that's there. We know that. So now it's next step. Go do your thing. And because everything that you do determines your future in ways. Right. You know, if you yeah. go out there and suck, <laughs> you've got no future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, and if you're too terrified of uh, going out there and sucking, then you're going to, something else bad is going to happen. So it's like right. the, that crazy thing of like acknowledging the danger, but not letting the danger uh, uh, so, dictate. Uh, possess, uh, dictate. Thank you. That's yeah. right. Oh, thank you. You know, and possess is a rather great word because it can, you know, when you get, I always find it when I'm in a bad way, for whatever reason, obviously the last couple of years have given everyone a kind of stress everybody yeah. right uh, and especially getting back to things like playing to thirty thousand people something you've done quite a lot for many years but then suddenly an enforced break from it and then it's, right. like, it's like when i was packing to come to london I, I did not i mean i allowed kind of enough time but i was like jesus christ where i mean there was shit everywhere in my I, place everywhere. and it's the same <laughs> thing and i was like why was this so hard and that well because you haven't done it in so long it's you haven't done same. it i haven't done it yeah. so i mean like so you have to try to really get into that get yourself in the groove like is that the whole even keel thing that's a, and for me it kind of could flip for a day like it could be like three days ago i'm like oh god i got this i got that i got this i gotta do that oh yeah. forget about it you know and all of a sudden <laughs> like i flipped like for me it happened literally a couple of days ago where all of a yeah. sudden i said i woke up one morning and i said that's it yeah party's over you know? No, exactly. I can have. I had a day uh, yesterday where I was I was tense about something else, and you know when you just uh, it's hard. You know the, we all know the mindfulness tricks and all that stuff, but sometimes mm -hmm. it's, you forget, and you're just like, oh no, and you're having dread thoughts about something that's a year away. And then I was like, wait, and I uh, I was on my way over to tape with Chaz, and I was like, okay, in the Uber, I was like, hey, can I do Bluetooth? So I put Chaz on, and I was like, okay, wait, I'm gonna go talk to Chaz about his music. Like that's a good thing, and it's nice out okay. today. I found like you know you do that thing where you sort of like it's like that old uh, trick for anxiety. You it, you name five things in the room, so it's like you just list off the stuff, and suddenly you're like, oh, there's a lot of good things. I guess gratitude lists is what. That's the, right. You know, yeah. that's very good. That's interesting. A lot of good things. When you start to add it up, you're looking like, as a matter of fact, I was doing that. Sitting there, okay, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, oh, that's good, that's this, 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 yeah. this, and make sure everything is, and right. start putting things in order so you can, you know, have a path that makes yeah. you feel comfortable about what you're doing, and you can actually be excited instead of, instead of being anxious. Exactly. And that can happen. Yeah, it can, because it could be the same thing, but it's just a, like the filter you're looking at it through or something. That's it. That's it. It's how you see things. It's a, It's so... Somebody said to me something, I forgot, or something about exactly that, that it's it, something about like your mind dictates whether everything's going to be great or everything's going to suck. You know, it's like, you know, Michael Jackson passed away. Right. He, when you think about it, he was probably exactly in this because yes. he was anxious about yeah. going to do those shows. Totally. You know, it, it was overwhelming. He was anxious. It was like, Oh no, I gotta go. Can I do it? I'm sure that's what he was thinking. You know what I mean? Uh, rather than being like, wow, I'm excited. This is great. I'm going back out. I'm gonna keep gas. I'm gonna be the best I can be. I'm gonna show people who I really am. You know, that difference can make the difference between life and death. Yeah, it really can. It really can. And, and 
It's funny because uh, it can seem like it's uh, so uh, detached from everyone's life, the Michael Jackson thing, but it's like if all of us had access to propofol and a doctor, I mean, you know, you never know what could happen. It's the same kind of thing with anything, really. It could be food or distractions. You know what? What happens as you get older and life goes on, you have access to everything. Yeah. And it really becomes it really becomes a thing of this. It's it's in you, because if I wanted to. Where my boat is sitting right now, I could go out there every night. I, I walked in the other day to go get something from a 7-Eleven there, and the guy said, we, uh, some girl walked in. You know, she looked like she was from Kings Road or something like that, you know, because <laughs> well, Myers Beach is a lot like Key West. It's very hippie-ish and loose and everything. And he says, the guy behind the thing had long hair and everything. He says, I hope she doesn't get caught up with the wrong people tonight, you know, because she was all on her own and stuff like this. And the point being is that it's that easy. Yeah. You just turn around and... If I felt like it, I can go do pills all night. I can do blow all night. I can go do Molly all night. Yeah. I can smoke pot all day, sit around and not get anything done. It's all right there. Yeah. And it's a matter of, of, of being able to have the discipline and look at yourself and say, I'm a professional. Let's not right. forget this. You're not a, right. you know, like some kind of like rock like yeah. guy. You're a professional, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, and you're, you're older and you know what I mean? You've got things to do. Your things don't come as easy to you. You have to work things harder. You have to get in shape, you know. You got and also when those things start to become like uh, hindrances to enjoying the things that you actually love, right? It's right, right. you know, it's difficult. And I'm sure you've seen a few people along your travels that uh, get too caught up in that sort of thing. My ex keyboard player, who used to play, a guy named Matt Alausen, used to play with um, Ingve Malmsteen. Played with him for 12 years after me. Uh, they found him in a hotel room in Thailand with a bunch of bottles of Jack Daniels, dead. Oh He'd been God. in there for like a week. I, Getting ready for this tour, I went to call the keyboard player that I used two years ago, who lives down here. I sent him a text. I was like, hey, what's happening? Listen, you want to come? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, he's not responding to me. That's strange. I go to his Facebook page. I look and it says, rest in peace. Oh, my God. I'm like, you're kidding me? That's like two. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. whoa. You know, it's so close. You, yeah, you know, and it's like this is that literally guy I just played with him around. This. It's like, yeah, you know, I missed. I, he died last year. I missed. Uh, we haven't spoken in some time, and he's gone. So it's that stuff is really well. You know, Wendy from the Plasmatics. All the Ramones are gone. That K-pop guy that I worked with, Jung Yun, twenty-seven years old. Right. You know, he made all this news and everything because of that. He was such a talented kid. He killed himself. Oh, you know, just yeah. it's it's so close. Yeah, and, and it's there, a fine it's, line. Yeah, and it's wild when like you realize that like danger or depression oh. or whatever. That, but danger is present all the time. But like you can't let it stop you from living life because that's just like the old thing about you, you know you could get hit by a bus. So you can't be well. That you can, there's nothing you can do about that. That's yeah. right. As, yeah. as long as it's not self inflicted. Oh no, absolutely. You know? But I think uh, I was uh, sort of tying it back to the anxiety about stuff. It's like, well, how bad can things get? Well, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, not that things can get real bad, but like when you're in that anxiety state, it's like mm-hmm. you're putting too much of that on there. But there's these other things. But that's yeah, right. That's right. It's a yeah. balance in your mind. Whether yeah. you weigh all that stuff in or you weigh the other stuff in. <laughs> not like this. You can flip it like this. Yeah, no, you can. And uh, also like, yeah, sometimes uh, for me, I'm like, wait, I haven't been listening to music all day well what am i doing i put something on and uh and actually since you mentioned the ramones i want to mention that uh some of my favorite tracks of theirs are ones that you co-wrote and produced including bonzo oh, goes thank to you 
You're welcome. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about working with the Ramones because they're legendarily very different personalities from each other. Uh, they had a lot. Some of them didn't get along so well with each other, and mm-hmm. I always find it fascinating when uh, someone like you or Mike, uh, ha- the way you produce, it has to, you have to basically be a psychiatrist in a way. That's right. That you hit it right on the head. Um, it's exactly that because besides getting certain musical performances, like whenever I produce a band like the Ramones, I always look at it like I'm the fifth member. And your job is to come in as a producer, co-writer, almost as if you joined as a member of the band. But since you're not in the band, your duty is to get across their message. Yeah. Not my message. You know, so you're supposed to contribute your knowledge to getting their message out there, your knowledge and skills to try to help get the most out of them that you can get. So that's the musical part of it. And then from there, then sometimes you're trying to get, keep everybody happy. You know, so <laughs> G- Joey loves piano. He loves strings. I love piano and strings. I like melodic things. Dee Dee as well. Johnny, not so much. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? So there's different guys. You know, the drummer wants to get his song on the record. You know, nobody else cares. You know, so you always have that kind of stuff. And you have to try to find a balance as the producer. So almost as a friend and be able to speak to them diplomatically and, and, kind of make them see you know it's like psychiatry it's like being a psychologist (laughs) talk johnny into letting you know into not having a problem with having strings and and piano on the record right and it's a matter of like finding that because even bonzo i think filled with bells and strings i was (laughs) i was in this period at time at the time that i loved that stuff and when you, you know what it made the song really unique and it gave them that extra thing that you know thing thing and for a punk rock song people go what you know yeah. and um so it worked but to try to get everybody to agree to that kind of stuff sometimes is not easy it takes work you know and then yeah. you got the manager then you have the record company and the record company is just like you better just make a great record we don't care what you do we don't want to be involved with the band psychiatry nothing you just get it done and deliver on time yeah and the manager's like you know <laughs> you know he's, he, he was always great but he said it's your job it's your job do your job you know that's it just get it done just make sure that it's it's true and that it's you like the manager at the time gary Kerfurst, was a guy who loved unique things you know he loved uh things that you know that he felt would stand the test of time and i loved that too so it wasn't he wasn't somebody who wanted to just you know jump into what's going on today and quick pop songs. He was like, you know, it just wasn't his thing, which sometimes that caused a little bit of a rub because you want hits and success at the same time. But at the same time, he tells you, I want you to be able to do whatever you do for as long as you want to do it. Yeah. I I said, Hmm, that sounds pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Cause Gary was your manager as well, right? My, my manager as well. So he just thought it would be a good collaboration. He says, why don't you produce the Ramones? He was always casual like that, sitting back. You know, John, why don't you produce the remotes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I think you guys would do something pretty good together. And then yeah. that's it. And so he got in touch with them. Blah, blah, blah. They said, yeah, that'd be good. We knew each other from hanging out in, you know, uh, CBGBs and clubs downtown because Plasmatics, Ramones, we were all friends. Debbie Harry, this one. We were all, you know, Lords of the New Church, the Bader, all. It was like a clique of people that hung out together. Yeah, and we were all friends. So, um, yeah, so it was it was it was quite a job, but I I'm really happy about that collaboration, and I'm really glad that I I got to be a part of something like this. It's um it's a legendary thing, and it's something I really wanted to do. You know, I uh, 
I love that. Yeah. And you you uh, helped the drummer get the song on the record, and I was actually right. a hit. It's a great song for those. Uh, 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 oh, for those some, uh, somebody put something in my drink, which is that's uh, right, fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Like that song too. Good, good. Oh, absolutely. Good song. Yeah. It turned out good. Yeah, it's a great Well, one. I recognize talent out of the people. If I see things, I've done that for a few drummers. I remember even Tony Thompson, who's a fantastic drummer. By oh, way. God, you. yeah. Okay. He played with my band, Crown of Thorns. And the same thing. He said, I want to write a song. I'm like, well, why can't you write a song? Let's write a song. And I sat with them and we messed around. I said, what do you hear? You know, just yeah. that's something I like to do. I like to bring things out of people. And even sometimes people don't just have the tools to be able to do it. Not everybody can run to a keyboard or a guitar and put exactly what they feel on there. So it's great if sometimes you can, it's almost like a challenge. You enjoy it. It's like you walk into the room and you say, I've just got that, 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 that. And I go, okay, (laughs) let me see what I can do. Let me see what I can do with that. (laughs) And if I can make it into a good song, I look at it as a real accomplishment because he'll turn around and say, that's great yeah <laughs> i got that up and it satisfies him you know, yeah too. which is it's great like, and also you know like uh, i think a lot of people are put off from writing songs because they for instance play drums or they don't necessarily think that they're good enough in quotes to you know right. uh play something or you know uh, uh, can only play bar chords or whatever but exactly but, and everybody yeah. else of course makes them uh <laughs> reminds them <laughs> <laughs> oh poor drummers yeah that's uh, right. I can't, well, I can't play that's right you can't so sit back there and shut up yeah <laughs> but meanwhile you know how the bands do it <laughs> oh, oh god absolutely yeah i played drums and it was like you know it's that funny thing i remember stopping playing drums with people because I, I was playing with the, i was playing with some band and the guy kept writing bad fake punk songs i was like this i was like you can't mention uh, <laughs> masturbating song. in every fucking song i don't know what this is i was like i could do better I, than I, this and i got a four track you know so uh, <laughs> so you know and you know the funny thing is a lot of times the drummers are some of the really intelligent ones if you look at Lars from Metallica if you look at even the guy in my band Stead Howland he's a very musical guy he plays drums he's a great singer he does all kinds of things yeah. you know and uh, and just has a very good sense of just organization and stuff you know and it's just so a lot of times you find that in the band you know a lot of them are singing you know Phil Collins <laughs> you know but <laughs> right there are yeah. a lot of examples of that you know I was the singing drummer to start oh that's right yeah started that's as right. a drummer yeah that's right what age did you start playing drums? Probably around 12. Oh, yeah. It's probably around 12, really young. So yeah. I, I got my first little drum set, and I was like you know, playing in the bedroom. you know. It's like, And I got pretty good pretty fast. And then when I joined, I started as a junior high school rock band as a drummer, actually. Yeah. You know, and then my dad, you know, threw the stuff out. So I started, and I, you know, and I was a lead singer, so I would do both. And I liked, I liked that because it's something that a lot of people find difficult to do. Right. You know, playing drums and sing. You know, yeah, exactly. One of those things. The like bass playing and singing. Yeah, right, exactly. Which is also tricky. Um, uh, so when, I can't, and forgive me for not remembering, but when did you transition to bass? Not long after. I think I, so right around there, 14, okay, 14 yeah. around that time. So I played drums probably for a couple of years, but I was so intense at the time that I learned instruments very quickly. Because it wasn't because I when I wanted something at the time I just I just wouldn't stop so I'd play you know around the clock when if I wasn't in school I would play sometimes I cut out of school I'd play all day eight hours a day just like to learn every single thing I'd put on every every record that I liked because I'd learned every single lick I tried this you know so I really put a lot you know at the beginning into honing skilled i wanted it you know when you yeah. want something especially when you're really young it's like it's a i've got a son who's he's now 17 but i can remember same thing 
one day I, I tried to get him into music. He was like, eh. And then all of a sudden, you know, I got him logic and some other things for his studio. Yeah. The next thing you know, I bring him in and I give him a little microphone and he plays me something. I'm like, what the? I said, how'd you do that? <laughs> I didn't even have, yeah. have time to show him anything. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, how did you know the cues? How did you make the vocals sound like that? How did you get all the? He said, oh, I went and downloaded a couple beats. I added bass here. I added this. That's said, how? You know? It's like, <laughs> where did you get this? You know? And it's like, or he wanted to learn piano because he, he saw a kid show up at piano at his school one day. So he says, can I go up and mess around with your piano? I said, of course. Went up there in the next, next three days, he's playing a song. You know, uh, yeah. three days, he's playing yeah. a great song. You know, I was like, wow. So I think it, when you're really young like that, you're like a sponge. And if you open your mind, you can do incredible things. You know? Yeah. And when you can focus the, the passion in whatever way into that. And, and uh, right. of course, That's later on, too, because people also also make the mistake of, with thinking they can't write songs. Like, you can learn an instrument mm. at any age, too. It's like people can do that and it's actually that could be therapeutic for people or whatever just you know a lot of people love music and they think well i'm over this age i can't that's not that's ridiculous but you know a lot of people do think that and it's not it's not true i guess the difference too is that your life is a lot uh more encumbered as you get older you've always got so much to do so it's not like i i don't really have the time to just let me just go sit and play piano which is a shame it is a shame. Which is a shame because it's something that I really do miss and it's something I wish I could. I've got a friend, like my friend, like I said, Tony Catania. Sean, why can't you come for all of We just do music. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. But I've got meetings. I've got interviews. I've got this. I've got that. Yeah, I've got to look sure. at the contracts this afternoon. I've got to go here. i got to go there. And, you know, you've got to deal with your tour manager. you got you got a million things going. It's like, when do you find time to just sit around with the guitar yes. and mess around? No, that's very true. That's very true. Yeah. And uh, how do you approach um, management now? Like, because you clearly have always been, the, you know, I know you worked with Gary, but uh, you're very much the steward of your own ship. And so I'm curious how you uh, arrange that now, because... Not by choice, I'll uh-huh. be honest. I've always wished for that great manager that, that uh, everybody talked about, like a Gary Kerr first. And I was really regretted when he was gone. Um, you know, it's funny how I actually almost i was kind of the one who ended it because when i was going into my band voodoo x at the time he didn't really like the rock in that sort of thing and he wanted to get involved but he was like eh, i think you should stay solo you know and i for some reason i want to get into a band thing etc but anyways we kind of ended up going this way a little bit you know because yeah. i i wanted more and he was just he liked the, the slow road if you know sure. what i mean yeah I, and as a young artist you're looking for the fast road you know it's like um you know that's just the way it is and then later on you kind of realize hmm, you know his philosophy was very good because in in a certain way my career has kind of gone that way anyways but for you know maybe not exactly as i'd wanted to but it would anyways i'm in the middle of a negotiation right now and i mentioned contract that's what i gotta go over in a minute okay. it's like contract like this it's a contract for a new 360 deal with a new management company oh cool let's see yeah. You know, yeah. Just that, you know, contract contracts. Now that's out, that's out, forget it, no deal. You know, so it's like you never know. But that is something that I'm actually looking at right now to kind of take from the book. And then from there, there's been discussion of doing a biopic about my life next. And then from there, you know, get a new publicist, start getting out on tour again. 
you know, and, and doing stuff. I still have some more energy. So I'm yeah. ready to do. Yeah. You got at least a little bit. Some, I can, uh, <laughs> a little bit. I'll, I'll do a year, I'll do a year, a year and a half. No, I'm only <laughs> And then like an album of standards, right? That's exactly. I was going to ask, how are you with uh, patience with things uh, now? Because you said as a younger artist, you know, it's very difficult to uh, be patient or take the slower track to things and but uh it seems like you maybe have had a different uh, approach to it now or uh, a different way of looking at things i do look at things differently um i don't have that need that i had before you know before it was like oh i gotta get on mtv i gotta approve i want to do this i want to do that I've gotta be a star I've gotta you know i want to be number one you know that's the only thing you thought thought about you know a lot of times it's motivated towards girls because you know <laughs> yeah. once that happens you get the girl no, but that's a part of it that's part of it certainly you know but you know after that now you know i've got two kids which are a main focus in my life and i almost look at it like you know you have a purpose in life if if you go that route to have children and you have to raise them and you know and make sure that they're prepared for a life that can be very difficult you know in the future so you got to set them up so I'm dealing with that. I've been flying around to colleges with my son. He's a football player. I've been dealing with stuff like that. Um, and just I'm focused on some some the book was important for me because I think I'm at a point right now where it's about cementing my legacy. Mm. I just want people to that's the desire I have now for people to know what you've contributed to the world in whatever forms. And that's it. That's that's my goal now. It's not, you know, well, if I have another number one record, I could, whatever. You know, and it's yeah. not, it's not, that's not the purpose anymore. But I would like for people, I think the book was a big step towards that. But, you know, you, you can have a book that X amount of people read or X amount of people read. <laughs> sure. so, so there's a lot of promotion and stuff that you have to do to get that out there. Yeah. I would love to do a biopic film. Yes, I'd like to tour annually, you know, reasonable numbers, do pretty well, you know, you just maintain a good career for as long as i feel like doing this yeah. you know and um that's kind of where i'm at now but i am a little bit more patient about it it's not like that oh if i don't if i don't lose record i'm gonna die I, I i don't feel that way anymore in fact i don't even i haven't released that much and i haven't been working that much now i've been working i just haven't been writing <laughs> right yeah. now yeah, you know? no, but you seem to be working all the time. I mean, the book. I'm always working. Always working, right? Uh, always working, doing something. Always, yeah. always. Yeah. You know, in fact, I've got a duet coming out in Germany. I just finished with a German band called Lustfinger, which mm. used to be a very big punk band out of Germany, one of the biggest ever at the time. Like, there's Totenhosen, there's them. And they were having a 40-year 40, 40 anniversary. Um, and they said, how would you feel? They just got in touch and said, how would you feel about contributing to our record? Um, we'll send you songs we've done. Let's see if you like. They sent me a ballad, believe it or not, but it's almost like a Green Day kind of ballad. I don't want to compare it because it's really a great song. Yeah. And I said, that song is great. And they said, okay. So we did a duet. I wrote English lyrics. I said, why don't we do a German-English duet? How often is that done? Oh, yeah. V very rarely. You know what I'm saying? So I yeah. said, that's going to be interesting to see if we can make that work. And I think they have, they have a really good producer. And we just did everything by email. They sent me the tracks. I did my vocals here, sent them back. We actually never spoke one time. Oh, wow. Not once. Yeah. Because every time I wanted, I said, we should get on call or something. Or so, and my English is not so good. And, and uh, you know, it's better. You know, they're afraid, <laughs> literally. But we yeah. managed to do that. Plus, I did Bonzo with them. 
And they did a great version of Bonzo. Like, a little more modernish sounding, but real good. Everything's real, and it's great. I mean, they're so accurate. This band is, like, spot on. And Mm -hmm. I did the vocal for that. So uh, there'll be two songs coming out with them. Oh, fantastic. I've got... That's good. I got something else coming out with Lordy. Um, I had written like six, seven songs with them. Do you know Lordy from no, Germany? Uh, from Lordy was the, the a Finnish rock band dresses up as monsters and everything. They're the ones who won the Eurovision contest. Oh, okay. Years ago for Finland. Yeah. Yes. So they became very big, and it's uh, and uh, anyways, they just released Top Brother. He just released a set where they recorded seven albums simultaneously <laughs> and released. <laughs> So it's the most albums ever released by a band. Wow. Yeah, they, they, they put the lockdown to good use or the last two years to good like, use. That's now. what they did. That's right. And they did yeah. it fast because they released an EP or something uh, last two years ago. And this guy's a workaholic. He's crazy. This Tommy Lordy. The, we're good friends now, but he's just like, we wrote seven songs together in two days <laughs> when I went over there. It was crazy. Yeah. And then um, and so he's taken some of the stuff, including one that I had co-written with Paul Stanley in 1989, which was their single last year. Okay. And gave them the highest charting German uh, record for them in their career. You know, I, I now remember you mentioning that in another interview. It was one of those things I think I was listening in the shower and I was like, I got to wind back and hear what track that was because it was not earmarked for Kiss. It was not. And I was like, wait, what song right. is that? And I, for that like, a bee for, like a bee to the honey. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, that's and they just used it for this record. Two. When uh, to back to when you you had your first child, would you mind describing the circumstances uh, that in your career and your life at the time and how that did uh, affect? So I am expecting my first child later in the year. Oh, congratulations! All right, wonderful, Thank you. wonderful. Wow, it was. Let me think. I was living in L.A. I was living in Woodland Hills at the time. I would say. I just finished a solo record. I just finished a solo record. I was living in Berlin before that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd moved to LA just because I felt it was time to get back into the action, even though I actually didn't end up doing that. I moved out to Woodland Hills. Things were a little quiet. I made a new record there called Chameleon, a solo record. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Chameleon I made there? Yes. And that was good. I did that. And then just at that time, we decided to try to have a child. And then that... I had my kid, and that took a lot of attention. Plus, I had some problems. My mom was ill. She was living in Florida. Then Stephen Van Zandt came over to me at that time and asked me to run his company. <laughs> Which, you know, at the time, I felt, you know, wasn't a bad idea. I knew I was expecting a child. The music, I had made a lot of records. Things were, eh, you know, as far as that was going. It's not like I was going you know, to have a lot of hits, you know. But, you know, I always had something. There's always something, either yeah. a movie soundtrack or this or that. But I and he came over to me and said, are you getting tired of making records yet? <laughs> I said, kind of. I, I could use a break. And yeah. he said, come run my company. You know, come be CEO of my company. So I did. It was perfect timing in a way because my mom was ill in Florida. I was commuting. When I took that job, I was commuting L.A., to New York on a weekly basis. Oh, wow. Then going down to Florida to help my mom because she was in very bad shape. So finally, I ended up moving to Florida. My wife was pregnant. We ended up just saying, okay, I'm going to move that way so I can commute that way. And it was good timing. It was a, a good job. It was steady. It was still in music. We were still you know, helping young bands. We had you know, two channels on Sirius Satellite, 24-7 channels. We had... Uh, everything management putting bands on tour all kinds of things so it was a a lot more work than i actually expected (laughs) but it kind of was a good base for you know getting ready to have a child sure 
Yeah. And so I um, did that for like seven years. That's where I was at. And I did a couple of records in there. Not much. I really did a lot less musically during mm-hmm. that time period. Did you find that it was, even though there was a lot of stuff to do, because it was centered around sort of one umbrella thing, and it was almost mm-hmm. like the, oh, this is the stuff that we're doing. And so it sort of took that um, burden away of being like, how do I come up with the next thing? How do I concept That's right. That's, yeah. right. That's right. It yeah, did take away from that. Now it's just like, how do you come up with uh, X amount of hundred thousands of dollars every month to pay the, to pay the staff? <laughs> 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 you've had you've had a lot of sudden shifts in, in your life um not uh, and you seem to have uh, rolled with the punches pretty uh, successfully and with a, a good attitude i mean you know you uh, talk about certain uh, tough times as we all have in your book but uh i wanted to know your thoughts on uh, when things change in our lives whether it's you know a child or uh, a, re- a new record contract whatever it is that it uh what do you think about just like saying okay wait there's a shift here let's not resist mm-hmm. it let's see what we can make of it i go with it i go with it and it's like um it's uh and you you kind of put yourself children are interesting because you put yourself second it's like i feel like my son right now is the one who's getting all the attention he's got these schools after him for football he's got you know which came so quickly he went from like being a toddler now he's like you know we're going to harvard and uh what else well it's every every main school brown uh uh, uh, what's the other one that we went to? Dartmouth, uh, UC, UN, uh, what, UPenn. You know, he's got all these great offers at these wonderful schools. And he's, that's the guy. I don't even mention anything. It was like uh, one of the coaches from Harvard actually came down here the other day. And I actually gave him a book. And for a second, he almost looked at it like, oh, this didn't happen. Because <laughs> they have this thing where they look at it like you bribe them. Once there's, you know. Right, right. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? To get a better position or to do this and do that. So I didn't even think about that. It's just like a little background. He said, to be honest with you, I know everything about you already. He said, the, right before you guys came in for a meeting, we had we were watching Feel the Heat. But they never <laughs> mentioned it in the meeting. <laughs> people, never. Isn't that wild? Like with certain business people or certain things, they'll, be, or, or they'll go, oh, hey, by the way, did I mention? And they're like, no, th- whatever they say, you're like, no, you didn't mention that because you knew you were waiting to see if I'd hit A, B, and C first until you Maybe. dropped the D. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And so I realized that happened a lot of times. There. But you know, the point I'm making is that it didn't bother me. I almost didn't even want to involve it. I almost looked at it like maybe for some of these schools, they might look at it like, oh, no, drug addict, rock and roll, dad. He's not coming here. He wrote with Kiss. No. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Where you find out that all these conservative guys are actually huge music fans. And like literally almost each one at some point brought up to you that, you know, I know everything or I did this. Or sorry. But at the end. At the yeah, end, at the very yeah, end. Sure. And I, at the point I mean, like, I didn't push it. I didn't push any rock and roll. Oh, my son, oh, man, like, oh, kiss, kiss, Bruce Springsteen, you know, this, that, like, I know, put him in the school. <laughs> I mean, it's like, right. I let it all, I follow him, I do his thing, I, you know, I could be his roadie, you know, like I'm not, but, you know, to really just totally, support yeah. that. Yeah, well, I think, I, I think it goes someplace else. And it, I think it's a, it, it, and basically what I'm hearing, and I think is what you're saying is it's a beautiful thing to be able to uh, not be, let, to use the um, metaphor of a band, to be the lead singer uh, in, right. in life. It's like you're like the, uh, supporting him in this. And so, because you, you, you can still live both ways. Like you're. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You look at it differently. And, and you know what? The funny thing is that, you know, when you were young, you, there's jealousy, there's this, there's all. All that kind of seems to go away. 
You know, it's like, it's almost like, I, there's not, I'm not like sitting there like, you know, he's getting all the attention. It's like, you know, it's just, does it, you feel happy about it. You're like, okay, you know, I've got my thing. I've done my thing. You know, I've, you have to be kind of um, satisfied mm-hmm. with yourself, which is not easy. That plays into that thing of that game of half empty, half full, because you can be the kind of artist that no matter what you've accomplished, you always think that you didn't accomplish it. I've got artist friends that are like huge and they'll tell you, well, you know, I, I'm not in the Hall of Fame. Oh, 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 and that's the only thing I can think about. You know what I mean? If they're not in the Hall of Fame, they feel like they're a failure, you know, or whatever. They don't have song on other people's records, you right. know, or something like that. How come I got to get through that? You know, I worry about that. You, you know, you're selling, you know, 100,000 tickets a night. You care about having a song on somebody's record? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a lot of people look for things to make them, you know, that. Or you can just look at it, which is not so easy to just sit there and say, okay, almost make an assessment of what you've done and accomplished and say to yourself, <laughs> you know, I feel good about where I am and what I've accomplished. And, you know, if this happens, great. If that happens, great. As long as I can take care of my family and I can live, well, who knows? I could be gone in a year, you know? So it's like then, and that's a very hard place to get at. And th- most musicians don't get there. And that's sure. why they shoot themselves and the drugs and everything else is because as soon as things go a little bit like that, they feel like they're irrelevant or they're, you know, and that's, that's sad, but it's common because it's easy for that to happen. Yeah, it is something to watch out for all the time. And uh, it's, all the time. Yeah. And I want to ask, are you okay for time? Could we do like another 15, 20 or, or do you have to go? Yeah, 15 is good. 15, 15? would be good for me. Yeah, yeah. If you don't mind, that's good. No, yeah, no. I, 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 I really it's a appreciate good conversation. It. I love it, but I just, I do have to get on. Oh no, I know you got a bunch of stuff, point. and I really appreciate but it. I, thank you for such but a I'm enjoying. Chat. I'm enjoying this. this Wonderful, chat. thank you, Jean. I, okay. I am as well. Uh, so I want to hit a couple things that we alluded to before, but didn't get into, and your relationship with Little Stephen, who seems to be like a guy in many, many situations with many, many people, including like Michael mm-hmm. DeBar, who I've had on a couple times. Um, he just sort of shows up and goes, "Hey, you know what?" You know, it'd be good. Let me guess. And like he says something, and you're like, "Oh, that's a great idea." And it's uh, he's a facilitator, a catalyst. It seems like. Have you done work with them, or do you know no, him? Or? No, I don't. I want to. I'm actually. I want to. I'd like to get him on the show. I'm quite a fan of his. Oh, and the mm-hmm. other thing I have to ask about is, is uh, not to deflect from that question is the Men Without Women film because you wrote about mm. it, and I read on his website that he was talking to John Cassavetes about beforehand and. I got to know about, is that a full film or like, what is it a short film? Cause I don't, it actually was- a full, it's actually a full film that was done. Um, it's not out. It's nowhere. It's just, it's, it never, nothing really happened with it unless, you know, which is kind of film that later on could come up, you know, come out. We did have a, a showing of it in Cannes, you know, of the actual film at the time, but I've never, I haven't seen a full copy of it since it's wow. kind of a, it's kind of like a, it was a, melange of all kinds of different things and the bed you know it's it's one of it's a steven concept <laughs> you know he has, <laughs> he has a unique way of 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 you know he's an artist in his own way he has his way of doing things um he is he gets involved in a lot of things he was similar in ways and he was very involved in my career at the beginning and then i went to run his company after that and then after that i just didn't want to do that anymore yeah because i kind of felt that um you know he liked having me as a business guy because I made him money as a business guy. But I felt that at the same time, I was compromising my career because a lot of opportunities that might were coming up, you know, didn't feel like it was appropriate and blah, 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 being CEO of that company and, you know, doing this and that. And 
that I didn't really agree with. Because <laughs> I, did, I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to take a break, but I didn't yeah. want to stop everything that I was doing. So to be honest, I, I just felt that that was, it was infringing too much on things that I wanted to do later. And it was, um, it was a lot of stress, you know, because mm, you're basically dealing with sponsors. Right, and the whole right. thing is to get sponsors to fund everything you do. Mm-hmm. And that's extremely difficult. But it has, it has its advantages because I, I was already decent at business, but I learned a lot doing that because you, you know, you're, you're dealing with the marketing heads and CEOs of Best Buy and Pepsi and Hard Rock and Olympus. I mean, every company you could think of. And I was you know, pretty much handling most of the stuff and doing legal work and all kinds of stuff. So yeah. I was, um, so it was a good thing to add to, as I say, sometimes your mental Rolodex. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. You know what but, I mean? And, just- and, and then throughout your career though, this is an interesting thing. Uh, whatever you're doing, it seems like you have a really good radar for when you go, okay, this is a good thing. There's nothing objectively bad about it, but mm-hmm. if I keep going this way, I'm not going to be able to go this way, this other way, which is really where I want to go. That's right. And that's sometimes where you have to be careful and you're not, I'm not going to say I'm an expert at it because no, you aren't because life, I really believe, I mean, if I sat down and, and said, did I plan out everything? Did I think I'd be writing with kids? Do I think I'd be doing this or do I? No way. You know, these are things that happen somehow by chance, by this, by that. So you can try to guide your life in a certain way and try to prevent potholes and this and that as you go. But, you know, it still somehow will take you, I could walk on the street tomorrow and meet some guy here in Naples, Florida, completely out of my element. That is something I, mean, I, I can't even come up with it because you never know. Yeah. You know what I mean? It no, just I know exactly. Happened. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. You know, I had mentioned that thing about um, I had gotten that role in the mask that I ended up not taking. I don't know if you got to that chapter. And it was the same situation. I'd go to nightclubs in L.A. I'd go out all the time. We sing at the restaurant, a bunch of people eating. And a producer would always be coming over. I want you in my film. I want you in my film when I do it. And he had no deal. You know, he had nothing. He's a producer who wrote the film. He says, I'm going to make it happen. I listened. But, you know, you took it with a grain of salt. You know, and bottom line is I didn't end up following through when he came up with it as much as he pushed and then the film ends up being the biggest film in, 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 in pretty much in the world when it came out right and who would know that so if you would take that step maybe now i'd be in a completely different trajectory right. i'd be an actor and right. i'd be probably just doing that and maybe really not doing music at all you know so things can change on a dime like that with this business so you could try to avoid things or like things that you know there's a thing about michael jackson in there you probably oh saw. yeah definitely yeah. Sure, yep. he was uh, really keen on you joining his band right for yeah, dangerous and, right yeah yeah for dangerous and um uh, before that for one of the videos too it could have been dirty diana or one of those and the thing was my manager actually is the one who said that he says you know no no you can't do that he said because if you do that yes you'll get attention but there's attention, there's the wrong attention. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, and he says, you know, and like the guy who wrote the foreword in my book actually said, mm. uh, when he asked about that, uh, Kermit Blackwood, he said, somebody asked him, well, who's Michael Jackson's bass player? Or do you know of any? And nobody can name one. Right, yeah. Uh, that, that's, you know, that, that, really, that really said it all. I remember in the intro, I was like, that's a really good point. You know what I'm saying? And you go, you know, it's not, so it's not always as glamorous as people think, you know, you turn around and you go, 
you know, especially, you know, you know, artists are strange too, especially big artists like that. You do something like that. You go, you put everything into it. You go do the video. You maybe work on the record. You got a tour. All of a sudden he decides, ah, I'm cancel the whole tour. I don't feel like it. Or, you know, and people bought houses. I've yeah. got my, I, you know, I've got a good a roadie of mine who was ready for that Michael Jackson tour. He called me before and we're going out. Everything's great. I just put a deposit on my new house out in the countryside, everything uh-huh. like that. All of a sudden he writes and he said, Michael's dead. I said, oh, I man. Yeah. Everything gone overnight. You know what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. that's the problem. It's not like you couldn't find another gig, but no, you know no, what I'm but saying? It's, it's, it's like, like it, it's almost a thing of like, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, really, or, no, or think like it's that. one thing. Yeah. I've always been a believer. I said this from the very, very beginning when I started the music business. I want to be in control of my own destiny which you never are completely because you still have to deal with promoters. You still have to deal with agents. You still have to do record companies. Yes. But it's, but, but you're still you, you know? So being a producer and I always wanted to have my eggs in as many baskets to cover my ass. If you want another truth, that's why I said, I don't want to just be an artist. I want to be an artist. I want to be a producer. I want to be a songwriter. And I want to have literally separate careers at each. So one can live without the other. (laughs) I mean, yeah, so if I decide I want to, you know, things are not working over here and I just want to songwrite, I could turn around and this year go write with 70 people. And I know I'll get X amount of cuts. This will happen. This will happen. You know, I hate to sound so, you know, but if I, if I want to oh. produce, I'm going to produce. I'll go in, I'll produce, whether I produce alone, where I get part, I could just do a whole career of just producing. Or if you want to be an artist, you can, which is the hardest, you can do that career, which is, because it depends how you do, how many shows you could do, how many people you could draw, and all yeah. the rest of that stuff. It's always the case, but I'm, I'm, I'm fairly satisfied because I'm, you know, you could always want more, but at least I was able to accomplish that. I can look at my resume and say, you know, Ramones, you know, you know for this, a songwriter, Kiss, like Richie and Sync, this. I look at all these things and I go, you know, I did reasonably well. You can't complain. You know, I mean, it's like a lot of people who did more. There are a lot of people who did less. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of people who did more will still complain. And also, you know, you're uh, a, a tremendous pioneer, uh, for, especially as a, a black man in a, a variety of musical forms and not compromising when people said, oh, well, you're the common thing would, you know, be like you're too rock for R&B or whatever to, you know, and, right, and, right, 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 right. and all that. And so, you know, also your accomplishments in that regard are something to be noted as well. Uh, well, as- thank you for that, that you brought that up, because to me, I think that that's one of the biggest accomplishments is, is I really wanted to break barriers right from a kid, you know, like growing up in an all white neighborhood and the, the way people looked at blacks in general. But basically, it's all based on role on, on, you know, um, let's say what impression people leave you know if you're watching movies where every movie the black guy's a rapist or a killer and black right. guys are rapists and killers you know? it's just the way it is until somebody comes along that shows a group of people something different so i always felt i started that living way out in an all-white neighborhood because my dad kind of told me it's all about you're the one who's supposed to guide and show people what it is that we have as a people you know what I mean? You're going to make the difference. You do that, whether it's with five people, 10, 100,000. And so I, I lived by that, you know, and that same thing joining the Plasmatics and the Mohawk. And, you know, where back then, you know, Mohawks were completely taboo and the blonde hair, forget it. You know, black people were, I had more black people who wanted to 
blacks wanting to kill me because you know how can you have blonde hair oh that's uh, you know, against our roots it's the color of our captors i mean i've heard everything you can imagine you know and um now i look around and my i went to my son who played basketball some years ago half the team and i literally mean four or five guys on the team had mohawks and like three or four of them were blonde you know and then I <laughs> football players soccer players in europe the biggest soccer players and i look at this and i say aha so at least you open doors with the plasmatics because you know how it works, a change reaction. Oh, yeah. No black has a mohawk. You do it with the plasmatics. You're on national TV, on every, you know, all over the place. Then all of a sudden, five other artists decide. Janet Jackson goes, then all of a sudden, Stallone, Dr., uh, whatever, Mr. T comes out, and then that one comes out, and then that spreads it more, and then that spreads it more, and before you know it, the whole culture has changed. Yeah, and you have changed our culture in so many ways, and I want to thank you for that, and thank also you very for much. really uh, yeah, my pleasure, and thank you for such a fabulous conversation. And I'm going to hit stop in I a really, second, but I, I, we should trade info because I'd love to send you that stuff. And, okay, for sure, that'd be yeah. great. That'd so be let me great. just uh, and I, I step uh-huh. in my own thing. So I want to thank you once again, John, for a fabulous chat. Thanks so much. So I really enjoyed this cover. This is a very different interview for me. I've got to say, very different. That means a lot to me. It really, if you does. noticed if you noticed, it's just we we spoke. It was different. It was great. It was, it was and, like that. You know, you asked some really unique questions. It wasn't just music-based. It was, you know, I get a lot out of these things, too. You know? Oh, that's and so, good. And this one, this one, you know, you get a lot out of because it makes you think about certain things and it kind of solidifies certain thoughts by listening to your opinions on things and your thoughts about things. Interesting. That's You're lovely. I, I, really, I appreciate that, man. And so are you. I, re- I really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs>